It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Raining Millie's Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Public Podcast I want to thank you all for making us part of your daily routine We're on that Monday through Friday grind Thank you for taking us along with you Whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going We're the Rain of Jays Tripoding tonight, me, John Corrales, with Samuel Jamison Packard III and Jay King of The Athletic, here to answer your mailbag questions. Uh, one thing I want to address before we get to the mailbag questions. We didn't do a goddamn Taco Tuesday again this week. Well, we had a special guest on. We were running long. I meant to text you guys about it yesterday, but then I uh, forgot. Yeah. So I'm... I am on the podcast suggesting that we go back to Sundays because I keep forgetting about Tuesdays because Tuesdays like a game or reaction. No, 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 no. It's called no, Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Taco, Taco Tuesday on a Sunday. Tuesday. Taco Tuesday on a Sunday. We're going to figure that out. Tuesday's the key number here. That's a, that's a word, not a number. I, I think you can eat tacos vague. any day of the week. <laughs> I think so. That's a, so, that's a valid just, point, J. King. Just wanted to address that before we get into the hashtag Rain and Jays or Rain and Junk. Rain and Jays, all, all with no G. Rain and Jays is always the serious questions, the basketball questions. The Rain and Junk is always the goof questions, which is generally where Sam Packard shines. So let's dive I would say in. I'm the goof co-host. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're really, it's, it's, you own it. You own it. It's, it's your domain. We didn't have a Rain and Junk before you came along. So That's true. It's, it's all you. You are. You guys you were junkless. You guys were junkless until I came along. That's it. You guys lacked junk. I hey, I've had junk to... my whole life. <laughs> Jay King, born with junk. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. Fantastic. Let's get into the uh, Rain and Jay's hashtag. Let's start with that. And a lot of questions here about lineups. So we'll start with that Tyler Eats. Nine, I think both are still likely to start. But if one were to go back to the bench between Smart and Marcus Morris, who do you think it would be? Who wants Smart. To go you think Smart goes back to the bench? I think Gordon Hayward's the most likely to return to the starting lineup. Um, or Jalen Brown. Either way, I think if you do that, you probably take out Smart. I disagree. So? I think I think Ooh. you go with I think you go with Marcus Morris. If you're going to take one, if you're going to take out a wing, if you're going to bring in a wing, you take out a wing. Uh, I think Marcus Smart has been the catalyst for a lot of what's been happening for the Celtics. They've started Marcus Morris before in the past, 
and it, it didn't seem to go particularly well. Uh, but there's a lot of things that are going on with that as well. You know, Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup might be different now than he was before. I still like Smart. I still like Smart as as the starting kind of point guard or or part-time point guard next to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has said that he, he kind of likes being off the ball, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean you have to start Smart. You can you can play them at the same time later on and bring them off the ball. That, that's fine, too. But uh, I, I just I like Smart in the starting lineup. And uh, I, I would, I personally, I would bring Morris to the bench if that was the case. I think I'm going to have to agree with Jay on this one. I think if you remove Morris from the starting lineup and replace him with either Hayward or Brown, your team is a little bit uh, small. Not that Marcus Morris is like that much bigger than Gordon Hayward. I mean, he's certainly taller than um, Jalen Brown. I just think that then you have a very, very small lineup with Horford at the five. And then I guess Hayward would be your power forward. And that you could just be uh, kind of abused physically. I don't know. I just, for some reason, it makes more like sense to me with with Mook out there as a starting power forward, where instead of having uh, Kyrie Irving and then basically three small forwards, if you if you were going to go with um, Brown, Hayward or Tatum, or uh, Smart Hayward and Tatum, I don't know. It just I feel like you need some toughness and some like actual some physicality and some size, and Mook provides that. So I don't know. I. Who knows? Maybe they'll just bring in Baines. <laughs> uh, I I think fair points, fair points all around. Uh, so we've we've each given our our takes on that. Uh, there was another question about Marcus Morris from At Ball and Opinions. Going forward, should the Celtics consider keeping Morris and signing him after his contract is up? Which is interesting uh, because coming into the season, I thought he was a prime trade candidate. The problem is that uh, obviously he's played himself into a, a fantastic position that the, the fact that he's making $5.3 million, it makes him one of the best deals in the NBA at, at the moment. I see him getting a, a pretty good amount on the open market. And I guess the question is how much do the Celtics really, really want to run it back and how much are they going to spend on some of these other guys? Are they going to keep, Ojale around? Are they going to keep Tice around? What do they want to do with his contract? Because he's a restricted free agent after this season. Uh, there, there are a lot of questions. Uh, is Baines going to stick around for five point four million? He's got a, a player option for for next season. It feels like to me that Marcus Morris is going to make this team too expensive. But at the same time, every time I've thought something's going to be very expensive for the Celtics, they've made it clear that they don't really seem to care so I, I personally don't expect Marcus Morris to come back I think he can get 10 million plus on the open market if I think he can get at least Marcus smart money on the open market and I think that's just a little too much for the Celtics to pay for this roster but you I, you know it'd be pretty tough but if Marcus Morris signs with the 76ers in the offseason and ends up Knocking the Celtics out of the playoffs next season. Ooh, that would, that be, would be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Tough. Philly, Philly guy. The six, Sixers will have cap space, and Marcus Morris, especially this new evolved version of Marcus Morris, would fit pretty damn well next to Simmons, Embiid, and Jimmy Butler. I'm, yeah. I'm just just putting that out there, Marcus Morris. <sighs> so shit, Jay. Come on. Yeah. Why, why uh, you got Why you got to do this to me before Christmas? 
I'm I'm just saying. And he's from Philadelphia. The yeah. Mook man, proud Philadelphia native. So just just something to think about. Something to think about. I, I think the Celtics should absolutely consider keeping him. I think he's been obviously he's he's made himself invaluable to this team. He's he's been one of the best players on this team. He's one of the most most reliable, consistent guys they have against all odds. Um and just kind of the the way he's accepted his new role and embraced being more of a complimentary piece has been really impressive. So it all I wouldn't fits. even I, I wouldn't even call him like yeah, a complimentary piece, but man, I mean he's he's kind of been the this the most steady player that the Celtics have had. And and you're right, he's he's evolved his game. He's, he's taken away a lot of those pull-up jumpers. He, he has focused on a lot more catch and shoots. He's focused on the rebounding. Like he said, his game he's is passing. noticeably different. He's passing. Like he's, he's not holding the, he, he's doing all of the things the Celtics need him to do. Uh, and plus when he does give an interview, man, that, that could, there's a real strong potential for some gold in those interviews. I just don't want somebody to go away after knowing that he calls him smarty. Like I, I don't want I don't want that to go away either. But him to Philly does make a lot of sense, which pisses him me. him and Keith to Philly makes too much sense. Oh, can you imagine? The it's reunion. Just, it's just like they both go home, they buy a mansion in North Philly, they become like kings of North Philly, they return the seventy sixes of prominence. It just makes too much sense. And frankly, I don't want to hear it. It's uh I, yeah. the, clearly you are interested in re-signing Mook, but I think he's played so well that they're not going to be able to afford him. I don't know the, the, the specific bird rights and things like that, but they got to resign Kyrie um, Horford, maybe uh, opting out all the things John mentioned. I just don't know if they can afford him at this point. Another question here uh, from at wham and cheese sticking with the lineup theme so far. Do you think keeping smart in the starting lineup or replacing senior with Jalen would be as effective as the current current starting lineup has been. So it's not the same question as before. If if we did what I say and brought in Jalen Brown with Marcus Smart, would that be? It's too uh, small. Too small. So it would not be as effective as the current starting lineup. You say? Yeah, I think you're too small if you have Tatum at the four and Jalen at the three, and you you need you need some mook nastiness. You do, and I think you need. Uh, the only way it is as effective is if Jalen Brown's shooting comes around. I think Jalen Brown's shooting has been inconsistent enough where uh, that would be a big problem. Morris really, as a, a steadying force, is is one of their more reliable, most reliable three-point shooters. I mean, the guy's shooting, what, like 40%, 43% from three? So, yeah, I think if Jalen Brown is going to come in and be effective, if they do, and first of all, let me just say the vibe in practice today was pretty clear that Jalen Brown is coming off the bench against the Knicks. So even though that's not an official lineup change from Brad Stevens, that's didn't, kind of didn't Jalen basically be like, yeah, why would you change it? Like we won three games in a row. I'm not going to be in the he, starting lineup. He did say that. And he did say he expects to come off the bench. And Brad Stevens did say they're pretty clear on what they're going to do tomorrow uh, against the Knicks, but he didn't want to say it. So it's like, pretty obvious that they're going to stick with the same starting lineup, but for now, let's entertain this thought. Uh, I agree that it's not, it's definitely not going to be as effective. Uh, it is going to be maybe a little too small, but I think Jalen Brown, uh, his shooting is going to be the biggest problem for me. I mean, if Marcus Smart continues to shoot 
55% from three, then I think he's just like a better all-around <laughs> player than uh, Jalen Brown. Now, some people might say that's unsustainable, um, but they're not statisticians, so what do they know? My question, I guess, uh, uh, coming off this question is, when the seal, like when the Celtics uh, say they reach their the highest potential, they reach their ceiling, what is going to be their best lineup? We all thought it was going to be um, the erotic city lineup, the picture of Kyrie, Jalen, It's, it's still going to be that. Even if Marcus Smart's uh, a competent three-point shooter, like at, some, at what point does – like where does Jalen move past Smart, uh, assuming he like returns to full powers? Like what is he better at than Smart? Well, here's the thing. You're never going to respect smart shooting. Nobody's going to respect smart shooting. I respect uh, smart shooting. <laughs> Fair. Uh, sure. I, I just think I just think with with Jalen, you get more athletic. You have more scoring. You should. I mean, once Hayward gets all his playmaking powers back, you'll have enough playmaking. Uh, but what about the argument that Marcus Smart, as a low usage guy? Uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands, and then thus him being a guy who can only who can operate and get some like do things while not touching the ball as much is is more conducive to winning for for guys as talented as the other four players. Yeah, I'm with you. You just said high ceiling, though, right? Yeah, but what if uh, Jalen's need for the ball makes it so they can't reach that ceiling? You know. But but you said highest ceiling, so I, I was just answering the question put out there, the prompts put out there, and and going with the highest ceiling. So that's that's just all I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, I think we've seen obviously the past few games, and really throughout most of the season, that the ability of Smart and Morris to play complementary roles and understand where they can get touches and what they need to do to play alongside stars has been really helpful. And I think some guys on the Celtics haven't been as successful at that i think that's one of the things they need to work on a lot over the next 60 games or so so that the high ceiling lineups that haven't been good so far can start to mesh too in addition to the lineups with guys that are willing to take uh more of a back seat uh so yeah i mean there's definitely two the fact that smart fits with these guys right now and has fit with these guys all season and is good at basketball but I, I think to some extent the how good Jalen Brown was last season has been lost over these first 20 games. Like he averaged 18 points in the playoffs. He was one of the 29 guys his age, 20 in their 21 age 21 season or younger, according to Basketball Reference, one of 29 guys to do that. So was Jason Tatum. And you know, as good as Tatum was, as many headlines as he got, Jalen was almost as good last season. And and so I don't think, you know, a, a couple of months, 20 games for Jalen, only 19 games so far, should totally eliminate what he's done and what he can do. I think, obviously, he needs to learn how to play better with the Celtics, and the other Celtics need to learn how to play better with him. Um, but I, I also think it's really tough to gauge what the Celtics did over those first 19 games because everyone was just trash. Yeah. No, it's everyone. True. Everyone was just dragging each other down. Yeah, there was there's there was a lot to figure out. We have in general, not just us. But there's a there's a tendency to overreact uh, when you have just a constant kind of observation, a constant evaluation of this is how they look today. 
This is how they look tomorrow. This is how they look yesterday. Like all of that stuff, we, we tend to kind of put a lot of a lot of extra weight on the things that are happening in the moment and not take the entire picture into account. So it's a it's a really good point by you, Jay, that this, the, who he's been is we have to take that into account. And that if we're gonna give some guys the leeway, we have to give all the guys the leeway. And Jalen well, Brown. Well, one thing I'm interested, I'm taking this in kind of a different direction. Uh, one thing I am interested in is to see whether, like, what kind of three-point shooter he is actually. You know, he was 39.5% last season. Previous to that, he was thought of as a non-shooter coming to the draft. I think he was at 33%, 34% maybe his rookie season. If he settles in, like, 35%, he's a different player than if he's 39.5%, obviously, especially with this team with the amount of off-ball opportunities he's going to have. Um, same thing with Al Horford. Like, Al Horford was 44% last season. I think everybody kind of thought Al Horford's going to be that knockdown shooter. Well, what if he's thirty, more like 35% like he was for the rest of his career when he was shooting three-pointers? And I, I happen to think Al Horford's better than he shot this season. I think it took him a while to extend it to the three-point arc, and when he finally did, he hit a, hit a rhythm. But I think it's fair to ask with both guys how good three-point shooters they are, especially, you know, with Jalen Brown's free throw shooting and and the, the limited sample size of when he was close to a 40% three-point shooter. We got a good question about this in, although they I don't think they used the hashtag, um, so I can't find them, but someone uh, showed some, like, lineup data and showed that Jalen was taking less uh, corner threes than he had the season before. <laughs> I think 15% of his shots. I uh, have it right they, here. Oh, they it's did at, use the hashtag. It's at RD eleven. Oh, you slandered. You slandered RD. <laughs> Ryan Davis. Jalen Brown took fifteen percent of his shots from the corners, forty-two percent of his threes this season. Uh, it is down to ten percent, twenty-six percent of his threes. What do you think has led to this change in shot profile? Uh, so go ahead, Jim. You want to finish making your point? Well, I was just thinking that that if that that could be a solution to Jalen's three point shooting. I mean, corner threes are obviously the um, easier for uh, one. They're closer to the basket, but two, just the type of uh, you tend to get more open shots uh, from the corners. as this when all the attention's up top on pick and roll. I mean, I think that's one of the things Jalen has to adjust to is if he's just going to be a a guy who hangs out in the corner and knocks down catch and shoot. Uh, um, I think that's like one of the ways you could see his, uh, his numbers go up. Um, kind of shooting less pull-up threes in transition or less uh, just pull-up threes in general and more be a, a guy who hangs in the corner, maybe be a lower usage guy, and then um, and then ju- and then basically ju- just do catch and shoot. I think it's like an easier way for his percentages just to increase. I, I think to answer the question directly that was posed, I think last season, because Aaron Baines was in the starting lineup more, you had a, a much more traditional Aaron Baines down low Tatum and Brown in the corners, and then you ran a high pick and roll with Kyrie and with uh, Al Horford, and that's why more threes came Jalen Brown's way because there were opportunities. He was one of the corner three guys. This year with Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward's one of the corner three guys, and even Baines has, has stepped out to the corners every once in a while, and Horford's been hanging out in the corner. So I just think the way this team has been built uh, this season just takes away some of those corner opportunities versus last year. I do agree that he has to 
kind of get back into some of those shots. I think finding those opportunities for him to catch and shoot from the corners is, is, is great. And this is why I said in the podcast a couple of nights ago with, with James Hollis that I like uh, Tate, uh, Brown coming off of the bench with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier because now you've got Rozier and Brown as guys you can use in the corners with Gordon Hayward and then maybe Aaron Baines and, and whomever else is on the floor with him. I, I think now you have a, a lineup that's more geared towards what he was doing last season. He can catch and shoot on those, on those drives. He, and then you can set him up as well to come off of picks and pin downs and stuff like that. So I think the, the coming off the bench with Gordon Hayward, who is a great passer, is going to help kind of get him back into some of the things that Ryan was talking about in the tweet and kind of help uh, Jalen Brown get back on track. And, and I will say that I think seeing the team succeed without him may be a little humbling to, to Jalen Brown because he's one of those guys that I think Kyrie was talking about trying to win on his own terms. And I, I think he was seeking out a lot of his own offense uh, to, to uh, you know, and not just him, but he's one of the guys. I think seeing how things have gone now is just kind of a good, like, all right, Jalen, everybody else is now getting in line with how the team should be playing. So I think all of this will kind of work very well. And I think Jalen coming off of the bench, at least for now, We'll, we'll have an opportunity to kind of get back to some of the stuff he was doing last season. We've gone 20 minutes, so we got to take a short break. We'll get back to the Rain Jays hashtag. I want to remind everybody that if you want to add a couple of great social feeds to your social mix, uh, Locked On NBA Net on Instagram and on Twitter, Locked On NBA Net on Instagram. In the stories, you get little 15-second snippets or a one-minute story of the, the podcast from around the network, longer stories, longer uh, clips in the feed, Locked On NBA Net. On Twitter is a curated feed of all of the Locked On podcast hosts. All of us are on there, and it filters in just the basketball stuff, none of the extraneous stuff. So search for Locked On NBA Net on Instagram, on Twitter. Follow them. Uh, you'll enjoy it. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. 
let's continue with the Rain and Jays hashtag with uh, a question that's been asked a number of times. And uh, well, let's just get into it. At NL Graham one, can you win an NBA title if Kyrie Irving is your best player? Who wants to go? Uh, yes, you can. Jay, <laughs> your answer. I think we will find out a little better uh, this season. Uh, boo! Boo! No, I mean, answer the question, look, Jay. Middleman, Jay. If you're going Make a take, to, Jay. If you're going to win a title with Kyrie Irving as your best player, it's going to look a lot like this Celtics team does. It's going to be deep. It's going to have other stars. It is going to be. It's got to be like that because. I don't think he's a top 10 player. I think a lot of people would agree with me that he's not a top 10 player. Where he ranks among all players, I'm not exactly sure. I think he's incredibly talented at putting the bas- basketball through the hoop. And I think the Celtics will rely on that quite a bit come the playoffs. Um, I think the Celtics are hoping that this is the only year they'll try to win a title with Kyrie Irving as their best player. And cough, cough, Anthony Davis, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> but, that, was the, that was the worst, worst cough, cough bit that I've ever heard. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> I, uh, so I, I think with a team like this, you'd have a chance in a lot of years, a better chance in a lot of years, but the Warriors are out there, man. So it, it's fair. It's unfair, I think, to judge – like a question like that, could Kyrie Irving win a title in a lot of years? Yes, I think he could. Can Kyrie Irving, as the best player, beat this Warriors team? That's a different question. And that's a lot tougher question. And, you know, it's you're not getting graded against normal teams. You're getting graded against maybe the best team of all time. I mean, I think I'm, I might have changed my answer. Oh, come on. To know. Because I think if if you're going to win a title specifically with the Celtics team, you're going to need out, like you're going to need a great defense. And Kyrie Irving, although he's been fucking great on defense this year compared to the rest of his career, he's not a two-way player. And so I think if like Gordon Hayward returns to all-star form and is uh, like a great defender, then you can then you get into the whole arguments like who is the Celtics best player? I've made arguments in the past that Al Horford, just considering what he does on the defensive end and offensive end, you can make the argument for that person being the best player. And then it's just like, well, Kyrie's your best scorer, but is he your best all around player? I think you basically the question is, do you think the Celtics as presently constructed can win a title? And I would say yes, but if they do win a title. I think Gordon Hayward and Al Horford are going to have to play huge roles, especially on the defensive end. And then you can make an argument about what has more impact, uh, a two-way player or just a offensive scorer. And now Jay King's going to jump in with an argument that there's no such thing as a best two-way player. If you're a best two-way player, you're just a player. And it's yep. all just um, some – it's just general hot takery. I think the, the, the general <laughs> answer is – Yes, if as currently constructed, I think the Celtics could win a championship, um, but they have to reach that ceiling that we were talking about earlier, and they are nowhere close to there. I, I look, of course, you need more than one good player to win a championship. It's not like 
like LeBron took that trash ass Cavs team to the finals last year. And he's the only guy in the world who could have done that. No one else, not even Durant could have taken that team. No, yep. no, no way. Yeah. No. Sorry. That's the best that... player in the world. He absolutely could have done it. Fact. Oh, okay. So you just say fact and that's fact. No, he couldn't have done that because he doesn't have the same overall impact. He, I mean, he, he could have gotten them pretty yes, far. He certainly does. Ooh, Jay King okay. with that pretty boy swag. Yeah, really. I guess that that's it right there. No, look, LeBron, LeBron is just in a class or, or last season, what he did with that I cast. Season, I don't care. That's fine. You can disagree. You're wrong. I think that there's even Steph, even Steph couldn't have couldn't have done that. Not Durant, not nobody, not Anthony Dave, nobody could have taken done nobody could have done what LeBron did last year. With that Cavs team. I'm, I'm going to go from the mountaintops and say it. Steph Curry's the best player alive, and he's been the best player alive for years um, mm-hmm. since his MVP seasons. He's the guy, to me, the best player bends the defense and makes everything else so much easier for his teammate. And LeBron obviously does that. LeBron is amazing. He's maybe the best ever. He, he might be the GOAT. That, that's a fair argument to have. But Stephen Curry, to me, has has passed him in recent years. And what about the reason- defense, Jay? LeBron doesn't play defense these days, anyway. Not so in the regular season. In he the doesn't play in the playoffs either. <laughs> but I I just think Steph is at another level, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And I know people listening to this podcast are going to come at me on Twitter, but. Steph's the best. Steph's better than Durant. He's better than LeBron. He just has more of an impact on the mm-hmm. ease of shot making for everyone else than anyone, including LeBron. And LeBron is outrageous. What he did last year, it was incredible. I just disagree with the statement that nobody else could have done it because Steph could have. I guess the obvious comeback is is that 2016, that that Curry, if Curry is better than LeBron, then Curry should have willed that team without the, the Draymond. One, the one knock to me about Curry is his durability, and he, he clearly was hurt during that playoffs and didn't play as well as he did that entire season. So that, I mean, that all factors into it, right? Agreed. That, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. It absolutely And I'm does. not trying to shit on Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is, is in that same class of player, of elite, elite players. But, I mean, come on. It's... All right, fine. We're, we're getting way off the rails. Here, I but. personally think basketball is a team sport, and we shouldn't be identifying individuals like this. We should be celebrating teamwork. Right. So Kyrie, as your best player, can be can absolutely be a champion <laughs> when Kyrie when you've got uh, Al Horford and you've got Gordon Hayward as as a two three. If Hayward's at full strength and Horford's playoff Horford from last year, which remember at points during the regular season, people were like, "Huh, okay." But, you know, Al, Al kind of had some spots where he coasted. Then the playoffs come around, and, and he really turned it on. I really think that's going to happen again this year. So if Gordon Hayward can get back to close to form where, where he's basically all-star level Gordon Hayward, then, then that makes the Kyrie as the best player Celtics a much, much better team because basketball is indeed a team sport. Next question at Beantown JJ. Any thoughts on Al's free agency not getting talked about? Obviously, because Kyrie and Terry, if he were to opt out and take a vet deal, 
would that free up some cap for another big name thoughts on the possibility? John, uh, is I, this a burner count from you? This no. is basically your exact talking point. This is this is something that I've talked about a lot. It's not my burner account. Uh, but when when he says a vet deal, I, I, I don't think I hope he doesn't mean vet minimum. I think but I, I'll sum up what I think is going to happen is that Al Horford will indeed opt out. I think he's going to take a four or five year deal at somewhere around 90 million or so, whatever, give or take five or 10. And that'll free up. It's not going to free up any money necessarily. All it's going to do is going to flip flop what he and Kyrie Irving are making. Like this year, Kyrie Irving is making 20 and Al Horford's making almost 29 next year. Kyrie's going to make like 30, whatever that starting number is, somewhere in the 30s. And then Al Horford's going to make something like 17 or 18. So it's going to add add up to kind of what the, this is adding up to. They're at 49 combined. I think next year they'll make something like 49 combined. And, and that's it. It's not going to open up cap space. It's not they're, they're very well over the cap. They're very well going to be over the tax next season. So, yes, Al Horford will, I expect, opt out. But not to get the same effect, I think, that this tweet is asking. It's not going to allow the Celtics to bring in anybody. They're going to have to rely on exceptions and stuff like that to, to bring in new players. All right. I guess nothing else. No one else has anybody anything else to add. No, I concur. Okay. At Ball and Opinions, you have to, if Boston had to go through two teams out of the following three to make the finals, who would you rather go through, Raptors, Bucks, or Sixers? Hmm. If you wait, if you have to go through two, so pick two out of the two, three. Two of the three. Eliminate one. Which one team would you rather not face of those three? The Raptors. Raptors are the best. They have team. Kawhi Leonard, and they are quite good. And, and Kyle Lowry's playing out of his mind. And I, I think they're the least schemable. Like like Brooke Lopez, you can shoot him off the court, and he's an important part for the Bucks. You look at the Sixers, like Simmons. Doesn't shoot three pointers, so you can game plan. Jimmy Butler is not a great shooter either. <laughs> so you you, you can, might have heard. There are ways you can game plan, even though they're super talented. There are there are easy things to look at in the game plan. Uh, whereas I, I think the Raptors are the most complete team in the Eastern Conference and the team that has the most versatility in the team, whose defense might be like the most talented defensively in the league or at least is is up there uh with the celtics with the thunder with a, a few other teams so um i think the raptors are are the team right now in the eastern conference you want to avoid fair enough uh i i'm gonna just to present although Giannis is scary as hell and Kawhi yeah. is scary as hell too but Giannis is scary as hell i but i agree like I don't want to look at uh, a November game against the Bucks as the the game plan, but I think the Celtics have uh, something that they can hang their hats on to beat the Bucks. But Giannis is scary as hell. I, I agree that the Sixers are are schemable. I, I don't disagree with anything that's been said. The alternative answer to say I, I could say that I want to avoid the the Sixers because what Jimmy Butler brings allows them to to kind of maybe make up for some of the things you can scheme out. Like he, you can't sag as much uh, off of Simmons because the gravity that, uh, that um, Butler 
creates it's just going to create some some driving lanes so you you're not going to be able to play him the exact same way you can sag off of him but there's still going to be lanes uh, and that allows for him to get into the paint which causes another set of guys collapsing and you can get it to him so I, I i will say that the raptors as scary as they are and as good as their record is they're they've been okay against teams that are 500 or better and with the playoffs being, you know, that, that chess match, I will say that I'll, I'll take Brad Stevens over Nick Nurse. If the Celtics can find something to exploit, they will. And Nick Nurse is proven to be a good coach so far. But in, in that playoff situation, maybe, maybe you want to face a Raptors team with a Kyle Lowry who has a kind of a reputation for maybe shrinking in that moment and a new coach that maybe you want to try and take advantage of that because if the Raptors get to a point where it's a game six and they're collapsing and you can feel an energy in that, in that crowd, in that arena of, uh, oh, no, not again, that you could take advantage of that. And, and maybe you want that as, as part of your path to the finals. That's, the that's scary- my alternate theory. Kawhi is such a steely-eyed robot that, like, I don't think emotions or, like, the history of the Raptors would play into it that much. I agree. I mean, yeah, well, they're a totally the different things. team. They're a totally different sure, team. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I fully believe in that, but there, that, that possibility exists. One more Rain and Jays before we get to the Rain and Junk because we're going way long. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a, a back-to-back Jack Michael with the Rain and Jays and the Rain and Junk. So the start- Jack Michael. The Jack I'm Jack. The Jack. I'm the Jack. The Jack. <laughs> uh, his Rain and Jays question. The Celtics have an easy, in quotes, schedule the next couple of weeks. Only two teams currently over 500 for the rest of the month. Could this be where they make a push to the top two in the, in the East? And I absolutely agree. The, up next, Knicks on Thursday. Bulls. Pelicans, who are kind of in disarray. Washington, who's been a mess. Then Atlanta, Detroit's playing very well. That's going to be a tough game on a back-to-back. Phoenix, Milwaukee, always a tough team, but the Celtics, again, seem to have something figured out. They'll shoot like 500 threes in that game. Charlotte is is playing all right. Philly is Philly. Houston is struggling. Memphis is up and down. Then the Spurs, who are currently a mess. There are a lot of wins on this schedule right now, and the Celtics uh, don't have a, a ton of a ton of ground to make up. They are currently five and a half, six games back. So if they can get, if they can shave three games off of that, then they are back at the top that maybe second or third in the East. And, and suddenly the conversation changes. So I think this is absolutely a stretch where they can make a big run. Until the Knicks beat their ass. That, well, that Trey- would, Trey Burke is not playing, so they they're oh, yeah. they, they might have a chance. Thank God. Yeah, that was I think a, that the was I think the Celtics have a, a over the stretch run have a good chance of catching the Bucks. I mean, they're only two and a half games back of the Bucks, who are in second place uh, in the Eastern Conference right now. Catching the Raptors over this stretch, the Raptors would have to play pretty terribly, but I think they can definitely like vault themselves into the top three um, just with their easy schedule, but. I don't want to drag up a beef between um, Jay and uh, Mark D'Amico, but uh, <laughs> they're they're five games back in the loss column right now of the Raptors. And so, uh, I, I mean, it's only a quarter of the season. The Celtics could easily go on a run or the Raptors could uh, start playing poorly. But 
that's still a substantial margin to make up uh, over the course of the season. I don't. That's not impossible, but I don't expect the Raptors to fall off. Just even despite their schedule against uh, um, or their record against uh, above average teams in the East, there's not that many. There's so many crap teams. I mean, the Magic right now are a playoff team, uh, and they're only a, a game or a game and a half back of the Celtics. That I imagine the Raptors is going to continue beating up on all of them, and so I, I don't like. It's going to be. I think difficult to catch them for first place. Sure. That, that sounds but, fair. But, oh, yeah. reasonable. Thank you. Reasonable. Reasonable answer. Let's move on to the rain and junk. Back to the Jack. Rank the Celtics rotation players by amount of J King pretty boy swag. Um, I, I think we have to define exactly what J. King Pretty Boy Swag is. No, I, uh, we also I should not... share where, where it came from because I, I, that term has never been uttered before today on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> that, well, at least not publicly. I'm sure you've, report, you've referred to yourself in that way many times, Jay. Yeah, I posted a I took a video at practice today of Jalen Brown doing suicides because he's just he's doing sprints to get his uh, conditioning uh, up. And Jake King made a brief cameo in the last second and a half of the video. And in the comments, this is just four. First four comments are all about Jake King. And one of them mentioned Jake King's pretty boy swag. So that's, that's a new thing. So, so I stole the show. No big deal. Yeah. Stole the show with your athletic gear and, and hat backwards. So ooh, ooh, yeah. backwards hat. Yeah. Yeah. That's very swagalicious there. So I don't know what pretty boy swag is, whatever you want to make it. So, I mean, I, I think the obvious is pretty, uh, I mean, the answer is pretty obvious. Um, it's going to be Marcus smart. Marcus smart has, what was that? Like the Gucci or Versace robe. But here's uh, the thing. Here's the thing. J King pretty boy swag isn't actual swag. It's like wearing sweatpants and sweatshirts and hats. We can't we can't define J King Pretty Boy Swag as actually dressing up to go to games. I was just wanted to bring up the fact that Marcus Smart wore that same robe to a, a fried chicken restaurant the other day. He was caught on Instagram. But That's- meanwhile, I'm out here looking out for the sanctity of J King Pretty Boy Swag. That's fair. So who on the Celtics uh, like dresses that. poorly? We but just it's still came pretty. up with the term like 20 minutes ago, and you just already got sanctity. I mean, J. King Pretty Boy Swag is always has to <laughs> I think I can only refer to you as J. King Pretty Boy Swag from now on. But so the, the question is, who on the Celtics uh, has swag despite um, wearing terrible, terrible clothing? <laughs> first of all, first of all, I, I've got I like my, the shot at Jay saying he's wearing terrible clothing. That's my, awesome. My active, That's my active wear is beautiful. Your athleisure, you should be an athleisure model. Uh, I'll well, go with, I agree. I, I'm going to go with Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown's got his own athleisure line, the juice line. So I'll, I'll go with that because it's got his own nickname on it. He wears his own nickname. I, I'll, I'll say with that. I think that's the closest thing to J. King Pretty Boy Swag, which, by the way, now I've got to buy you a PBS shirt. So you walk around with a PBS shirt. And now it means something different. That's going to be your nickname. Ooh, pretty Boy PBS. Swag. I don't PBS. think that one's gonna catch. J King PBS. It's almost like a, like a MD or yeah. I like that. Who knows? Maybe it'll catch. Maybe it won't. But I'm gonna throw it out there. 
I think I think Semi has the most pretty boy swag, just because I can't remember an outfit he's ever worn. Everyone else on the Celtics, like even Aaron Baines, will come in a dope Canadian tuxedo. Um, Jalen Brown, like, was wearing turtlenecks and blazers to the game. That's not a J King look. Um, so I'm going to go with Semi, just as because uh, it's uh, boring. Oh, you know who? Yabu with his bucket hats and his Ooh. and his, you know, jogging suits, the the Adidas jumpsuits. That's it. That's, that's true. It. That's I think that's the, with the, the answer with the track suits. Yeah, oh, I, I know you can get down with the track suits. I could, I could mess with those. J yeah. King, pretty boy swag. We need to get you a Kangol hat. Absolutely. Oh, totally. I mean, he won't yeah. even wear his damn Newsies hat, which he likes. He's gonna wear a Kangol. <laughs> Come on. If it says J King, pretty boy swag on it, he might. That's true. That's true. We gotta get his own his own swag line. Who else? Who else has J King, pretty boy swag, man? I mean, it's it's a tough category to fit into, really. <laughs> it is very difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, I, no, that's it. That's that's all I can come up with. I, I think my answer is Yabu. My answer is Yabu. Let's uh, move on. Let's move on. Well, there's plenty of time to talk about the pretty boy swag. We, I we might talk about JK pretty boy a, swag forever. I have a feeling we might revisit this topic at some point in the future. <laughs> totally think so. Uh at, I also at, want to point out that someone commented J. King cool ass. But yeah, then that was, <laughs> that's erroneous. But then all, on Twitter, somebody got at me. I used slang from when I was in high school that I used to use. And, and somebody called me out for it. Like, man, that, that term hasn't been used since what, 2005. Uh, like, damn. That was a death blow. I said, come scream at me. Scream at me, man. Oh. Like, nod, nod to... Not to the good old I've, days I've, back when I was in high school. I, I used to tell girls to scream at me, man. Oh, God, that sounds bad. I, I, that means, like, 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 text I'm me younger than you. Call me. I'm younger than you, and John's older than you, and both of us are just like, oh, this it, I have no sounded, idea what we're talking it about. Sounded it's got to be a more, central Massachusetts thing. Western Mass. Western Mass. It sounded but, a lot sorry, more Western. problematic when I said it out loud on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> scream at me. Andrew Moore, 1987, who wins a game of three-on-three of J. King, John, and Jam Packard versus uh, Scal, Mike Gorman, and Tommy Heinsohn? I'd be afraid of Gorman giving me buckets. He stays in good shape. Uh, he, does, he does. He does. And I. And Tommy's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but we, we could run circles around him now. It, it'd be, it'd be, could, could Scal demoralize us to the extent that our, our mismatch against Tommy doesn't come into play? I, I feel like we could triple team Scal. I mean, uh, I think Tommy could knock down eight footers, man. You could just he could just, just Gorman would light us up. Yeah, the only I, way I, to and then, and then he, and then he, he'd use his catchphrase too. He'd be like, "Bang, <laughs> you know, like, got it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. like all right. I I just would love. <laughs> For that to happen against anybody, Mike Gorman playing a game of three on three and just puts it up and just says, "Got it!" Boom, as it goes through. Like, would that not be the ultimate trash talk right there? It'd be awesome. I think I'm pretty sure that's how that's how Gorman goes about life, like just narrating his own life with with his own catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the that's most how, surprising thing in the world. That's how you <laughs> would go against. I mean, you've already co-opted Pretty Boy Swag, and it just be just came up. Like that's. We're going to be hearing that forever. So I didn't. I didn't try to co-opt that. Uh, we were asked a question about Pretty Boy Swag. Uh, I 
I noted that it had never been said before today, mostly because there's no pretty boy swag. There is no swag whatsoever to the way I carry myself, present myself, or address myself. So I, I, I didn't co-opt it. It does have sanctity, though. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go. Uh, at Ball and Opinions, just a two-part question. Who has the most Celtic Christmas spirit on the Celtics? And choose three Celtics to have on a Christmas album. What type of song names would there be? Oh, Kyrie geez. denounced Christmas last year. So. I think he just denounces mainstream holidays. Like I don't know. Like so it's, not, it's definitely not Kyrie. He re, but he also but, was recently singing. He was just singing Christmas but before that, that getting into an argument kids, with man. that kid. That was for the kids. That, that. <laughs> Can we pause and just talk about Kyrie getting in an argument with a kid in the children's hospital about? Um, which Morris twin hit a game winner? Like and just talking about how legendary that uh, that moment was. Yeah, that, that was kind of. That was awesome. That was awesome because th- that's that. See, I- I'm a big fan of like treating kids like grownups, man. You got to treat kids like grownups. That that kid had <laughs> that kid had way more fun going back and forth. Get a job. <laughs> that kid had way more fun going back and forth with Kyrie than he would have been if Kyrie had been like Absolutely. fakely. Fakely nice. Absolutely. That was like I, I Kyrie was that moment. Kyrie was really enjoying himself with that kid. And that kid was really enjoying himself with Kyrie. He's just needling Kyrie. Well, how about the balls on that kid though to needle Kyrie? Like that yeah. kid is that kid is the best. I love that kid. Yeah, like who oh, what about that Duke game? You're like, what? And it was I mean that right there. You just turned back and just shot Duke back at Kyrie. That kid, that kid's a legend. That kid was awesome. Is that the legend. same kid that got the special the, the special sneakers? Like that that kid got like a a, a once in one of a kind pair of of Kyrie's. Like I, I saw the the clip where Kyrie said, "This is one of one, the only pair like this ever made," and he gave them to the kid. It was super super cool. So look, Kyrie can get that Christmas spirit, man. Maybe he's denouncing the holiday or whatever, but. Um, I think he can get out there and, and still. I mean, he, he literally, I'm quoting him from last year. The hoopla on Christmas, I don't really get into that. I don't really necessarily think of Christmas as a holiday. That, okay. I fine. remember that. He hates hoopla. Yeah, he's, he he's not a hoopla it. guy. I mean, he so, would say that about any day. If you ask him about Arbor Day, he's going to say, fuck Arbor Day. God damn it. I'm not, there's no way for me to actually prove this, but I was actually going to make the same joke about fuck <laughs> Arbor Day. I guess it's like the most random holiday you could pick, but I had a fuck Arbor Day joke in the chamber and you took it. You gotta be ready. Shoot or shoot. Damn. Should I be just very upset with myself that I didn't have a fuck Arbor Day joke lined up? You should be because the Arbor Day joke was, was pretty good. Uh, three, three Celtics to have on a Christmas album. Uh, I feel like, I feel like Jerry's a great singer. He could sing. I think he, if if you told him it was for the kids, he'd sing. I'd put Jalen Brown on there just because the cover the cover of the album would be super cool, with the turtleneck and the glasses. And then I throw in uh, Jason Tatum, but only if he has those uh, sweet sidebirds. How is Yabu not going to be in the boy band, man? I, well, I mean, it wasn't a boy band. That was his Christmas album. But we'll make it a boy band Christmas album. Sure, you want to throw Yabu in there in his tracksuits and the Kangol? Sure. Uh, he just has so much fun. He, people would listen to his Christmas album even if it was terrible. He, he could do the French version of it. That's Yabu is synonymous with joy. I mean, like the guy's had so much fun doing everything. His his smile lights up a room. So 
Um, if there's some way to transfer that to audio, I would say I would agree. I'm, I'm just for the music videos, like just throw Yabu in there and everyone's going to watch it. It's funny. All of our rain and junk questions are Christmas related. So like at women cheese, which Celtic would make for the best Christmas elf? Who would Shane Larkin? <laughs> it's not on the That's messed up, anymore. man. That's messed up. <laughs> that was that was anti short. That was a yeah, that was no, a short I guy. Know. Oh, can we say right now it just reminded us like a um RIP for uh Walt Lemon's uh history with the Boston Celtics organization. Uh he got cut from the Red Claws. Um no more lemon parties. I was just remind like small small guards, third guards, and so I just wanted to uh say that now. Speaking of possible Christmas elves, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I, I'll, Yabu again, man. Yabu. Yabu. I'm going to say Terry Rozier. Imagine Terry Rozier out there handing out gifts as like as an elf. And I'm not making that like a short joke. He's not short. But I think Terry Rozier as an elf kind of like alongside. There's a question here. Uh, who asked who would make the best Santa Claus? Yabu. <laughs> I think the answer or, to all of these is Yabu. Yabu Yabu lives with Christmas spirit. He does. He does. Uh, at Ball and Opinions, asked who who would be Santa, and who would be the two elves uh, to be the helpers. I mean, yeah, Yabu. I guess Yabu would. He's jolly. There's definitely jolliness there. Yabu uh, could be Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. He could be. He could be Santa. He could be the helpers. He could be the elf. Yabu just everything Christmas, everything joy. Yabu, it's fair. Yabu portrays. That's Yabu fair. is Christmas, and then the Time Lord is ghosts of Christmas past, future, and uh, present. <laughs> we got to get him involved. Like he could be one of the elves. He could definitely be one of the elves. Absolutely. Uh, all right. We got a we got a rain and junk a non Christmas rain and junk question question uh which is more rain and jays actually on a scale of one to ten how which is danny's trigger finger right now uh i think it's a, like a one i don't i, I don't think, think he's i think it's forever at a five but <laughs> it's true, it's true. He, he, he's like all, a wild west guy he's always five. ready to shoot right right yeah, right if, if trey comes up he's ready but he's, he's he, he never ever overreacts to small stretches of play that's right so. it's no itchier than it's ever been it's just but i agree i agree it's it's always it's always there. He's always ready. All right, good good batch of questions made for a nice long podcast, longer much longer than usual. So please enjoy. You basically get two podcasts in there: the serious podcast and then about twenty five minutes where we just everything went off the rails. So hope you enjoyed that. Basically two podcasts in one. So all you get to subscribe once if you're a new listener, you get all of it. Search for Lockdown Celtics wherever you get your podcast. And as always, give us that good five star rating, that good written review. And share the podcast when people ask what they should be listening to. It's the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.